Welcome to Cloud of Witnesses. Cloud of Witnesses is a platform used to discuss real problems in our world regarding racial inequalities, housing insecurity, mental health, health disparities, and more. Cloud of Witnesses is a consortium of diverse stories and resources from within our community. Cloud of Witnesses provides access to personal perspectives and expert opinions with the goal of providing fact-based information and solutions. Cloud of Witnesses allows people from all walks of life to connect, collaborate, and learn from one another during these unprecedented times. We are Cloud of Witnesses. 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 And welcome to our podcast. Welcome to the Cloud of Witnesses podcast. So today we are operating in a slightly different format than we normally do. We have a panel style discussion with three extremely informed guests who will be dishing you with everything you need to know about how to be the best civically engaged leader you can or how you can participate in civic activities on campus. This is very pertinent information given that the 2020 elections are right around the corner. So today we have Dr. Tamara Johnson, who is the Director of Engaged Scholarship at UNC Charlotte. We also have UNCC Master of Public Administration candidate, Kylie Murray, who is also a graduate assistant for the Urban Research and Community Engagement Office. Last but not least, we have Computer Science and International Studies major, Shanice Board. She is Civic Engagement and Democracy Director of the Leadership and Community Engagement Office, also known as LEADS. So let's jump right in. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us today. My name is Cole. This is actually my first podcast for uh, Cloud of Witnesses. Tahira and Chloe, our two lovely, usual podcast hosts, have been hosting it uh, up to this point. So this is my first dip in the water. So I guess a brief intro, brief sort of bio on me. I'm a sophomore here at UNC Charlotte. I'm studying philosophy, um, psychology, and economics. I'm from Lewisburg, North Carolina, which is a small town outside of Raleigh. Yeah, I'm currently in my dorm living in Hall right now. Tara, do you want to go or do you want to me to sort of introduce MCN a little bit before? I'll go ahead and introduce MCN. And then okay, I'll- yeah. MCN is the acronym that we use for the Millennium Campus Network, which is the network of Millennium Fellows across not only the U.S. and North America, but the entire world. MCN is a nonprofit started by a man named Sam Baker, and it's a social impact collaborative organization that connects social impact leaders, sort of gives them the resources and leadership training to make an impact in their community. In a broad sense, as you can tell, our podcast touches on everything from um, experiences in COVID to voting to really anything that you could sort of think about within the college sphere, our podcast is touching on it. So today is not an exception. We'll be digging more into voting, what that looks like for college kids. Um, and a little bit more about MCN, the Millennium Fellowship. I know I mentioned before that it was a, a global initiative, but there are about 15,000 applicants this year. Um, and about a thousand were selected across 80 campuses in 20 countries. Each group focuses on a UN academic impact. I think there are 18, if I'm not mistaken. Our group is focusing on impact goals number three and four. So if to hear you want to dig more into what three and four entail, 
I'll let you take it from here. Yeah, absolutely. So goal three and four, basically three is good health and well-being and four is education for all. So anything in the realms of those are topics that we are trying to help to mitigate. And basically when we were selected for the Millennium Fellowship, it was at the very beginning of the pandemic. So obviously all of the things that we were talking about were more so pandemic related and how to get resources out to people during that time. Basically our main goal was to highlight the stories of those who not only were, you know, surviving through the pandemic, but also those who are working behind the scenes to kind of like lessen the impacts and the wide range of effects caused by the pandemic itself. And our mission with Cloud of Witnesses is to be kind of like a one-stop shop consortium highlighting useful information that we come across. And also right now we are kind of going through like a duo pandemic, I guess you could say. Um, One wise man that I had a Zoom call with mentioned that term to me recently and it really resonated with me because We are also going through the elections right now and a lot of the racial inequalities that are being brought to light right now. And so we're actually going through like two kind of crises right now that are parallel to each other. So really, we want to provide useful information to all of those that come across our podcast and collect the information and conversations presented here to be sent out to everybody that is willing to listen And one of the most important topics right now are the elections coming up. And UNC Charlotte has done a great job with promoting that, promoting uh, registration, getting students out to vote, because I know that in the past, I guess students sort of have this rep of not being as civically engaged. So like empowering them while they're young is really, really important. And I think that UNC Charlotte has done a great job of collectively working to empower our students and and make them aware of what it means to be a civic leader. So that is why we have you all here with us today. First, I would like to introduce Tamara. Tamara and I work together at the 49er Democracy Experience. I am a civic engagement coordinator with them. Tamara, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Sure. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Um, my name is Tamara Johnson. I'm the director of Engaged Scholarship in our new or newly revamped Office of Urban Research and Community Engagement. And so that office includes the Urban Institute, my Office of Engaged Scholarship, Women and Girls Research Alliance, and the Charlotte Action Research Project. So those are the kinds of things that we're working on, urban research in the Charlotte area and getting students and faculty um, connected to community in that way. The Fourier Democracy Experience started in 2012 when Charlotte was hosting the Democratic National Convention and Betty Doster in Constituent Relations and Eric Heberlig, a professor in political science and public administration, started this entity as a cross-campus coalition that would really elevate UNC Charlotte to being a knowledge partner in the city and in the region at that time. So if anybody had questions about political processes or those types of things, we wanted to be able to answer those questions as a university, right? We wanted people to come to us and to really highlight the work that that our faculty and our staff and our students do. And since then, of course, as you mentioned, increase, or shall I say, sort of enhance the civic 
culture at UNC Charlotte to really make sure that all of our students are aware of not only voter engagement, still kind of how to engage civically more broadly. And those are the pieces that we continue to work on. But voter engagement is a big part of that just because I think it isn't always a straightforward process for students and because students tend to be first-time voters when they come to us as if if they're coming to us as first-time full-time freshmen or even if they aren't you know for some of our transfer students sometimes um, the first time they vote at all is as their students at UNC Charlotte so so again I, I wish I could say it was a straightforward process. Sometimes it can be a little bit challenging and tricky and what to do, what, where, and when, and all of that. So, so part of the process or the strategy that Fortinet Democracy Experience uses as a voter registration strategy in addition to education and also mobilization. Wonderful. Yeah, that, that encapsulates a lot. And you brought up some really great points about most of the time when students do come to college, they are first time voters. So it's such an important piece for us as student leaders and you as uh, faculty to really kind of try, try to help guide them in the right way. Not so much as for um, which candidate to choose, but just to kind of help them be aware of what it means for not only national elections, but also like local and state, like how important that is, because that really, it trickles up when it comes to politics, right? And so a lot of students don't really know that with their with it being their first time voting. So it's a very great point that you brought up. Thank you. My next question for you was, how have you seen, so over, over the course of your time here at UNC Charlotte, like how have you seen it grow over the years? So I started working with the coalition in 2014. And then it was, we were coming off of all of that work that that people have done to really mobilize for hosting a political convention. And, and of course, as you know, Charlotte was scheduled and in, in arguably did host uh, the Republican National Convention this year. And so UNC Charlotte mobilized, I want to make that clear, we mobilized in the same way, but we we already had this infrastructure to build from, right? And so people were familiar with the name, they were familiar with the foreign democracy experience. And in between 2012 and 2020, we had really been kind of working to do some of that voter outreach, some of the educational pieces. So talking about issues like gerrymandering or sort of the state of democracy broadly. And so I think it's, I think the coalition this year, and I, and I would invite Kylie to, to jump in with this too, because she's been working with us for a while. The coalition, I think is broader in it, while we're in this like bizarre moment of not being able to engage in the way that we would like to in person. I think that's meant that people have come to the table differently. So um, leadership, you know, and community engagement with Shanice here and the library and athletics and housing, you know, I mean, I think that the coalition keeps keeps building out um, and trying to reach students, not only in the classroom, but in some of the other places in which they're already engaged on campus. And so I think that would be the biggest change. Kylie, I'll let you. Yeah, I was going to say, I think, uh, what was it, fall of 2017 that I really started with uh, the 49er Democracy Project, uh, is it's really institutionalized itself. So I think we went from a group of students and student organizations who were trying their best to work and make sure we were, 
doing civic engagement and get out the vote operations to really bringing all of these more um, campus institutions to the table. So the people that Tamara was talking about, like uh, housing, athletics, athletics has been a huge one for us um, because they're one of, they have a huge student population first. So being able to reach them alone uh, really makes an impact on voting. But there are also some of those like student role models that you see. Like when you're walking around campus, you see your student athletes faces everywhere. And so to be able to kind of get them behind voting initiatives has been really cool, um, as well as making sure with the census that people like housing were at the table um, is was really important. So I think that's one of the biggest ways that I've kind of seen it adjust over the years, um, as well as just kind of getting our name out there more. I think we went from this idea of, well, you were here for like the Democratic convention and therefore you lean the way that the Democratic like party leans to being more of a bipartisan, nonpartisan institution that can have every voice at the table. Yeah, that's really important. I think that with the student athletes, like I'm so impressed with how they've really stepped up to the table and they're our leaders on campus. Like you said, we see their faces when we walk around, you know, a lot of students look up to them. So with them showing the initiative and involvement has really helped to kind of catapult our numbers, I think, by far. And I think it is very important. I love the transition from like, it's not that it was ever we chose a side, it was just the Democratic National Convention was there. And so having a transition from people having that maybe misconceived conception to helping them realize that this is like a nonpartisan, like all parties welcome type thing has really helped as well. I agree with you 100% there. Thank you. Another thing, Tamara, that I wanted to touch on with you was I just recently found out you were in the LU40. <laughs> so I kind of wanted you to like tell us a little bit about that and your experience with that. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay. Um, so Leaders Under 40 is an organization. Um, it's sponsored by the um, Community Building Initiative here in Charlotte. And so they talk quite a bit about um, the city and, and in some cases reintroducing people to the city, um, but then also connecting people to each other. Right. And so the idea is that um, a lot of it centers on equity and inclusion, but then also this understanding of a history of Charlotte that, that you know, I, I, I'm from Charlotte. I went to West Charlotte High School. I went to Piedmont Middle School. I went to Harry Grove Elementary School. So I, there are some pieces of our history as a city that weren't taught in those schools at the, t at the time. We're not going to mention how long ago that was, but, um, and so I think it really, it's true. Like, it, I think uh, you might've been talking about it with Chris Everett from athletics who did say, you know, oftentimes people from Charlotte, you kind of come to the city sometimes if you weren't born here and then you're kind of in with your life and doing the things. And, and it, this is a way to kind of get out of the routines and the, the, the bubbles that, that arguably were many of us are in and to look at the city differently in different ways. I think that's so cool. And I feel like our student population could benefit from that too, because we have so many students that are not from Charlotte and probably need the same kind of education and not necessarily need, but could benefit from that same sort of education. So that's definitely something to think about, like with my experience in, in SGA and as Secretary of Business Affairs, um, 
that could definitely be an initiative for me to try to introduce because I it sounds like it was very informative for you even as a Charlotte native and I'm a Charlotte native as well and so I can tell you I, I know little about some of the topics that you were discussing and would like to know more. It's something that we are looking to, to do um, and kind of strengthen our relationship with the city of Charlotte because they do um, some of this work with their, I think it's called the Citizen Academy. And that, that program has a lot of connections with, with MPA and political science, with sociology, with you know history. There are so many ways in which data science, we can kind of work together um, to create a program that would, that would bring this history. I mean, how do you see the city and engage with the city in its history and why does it look the way it does now, but then also what is the vision for the future and how do you affect that? So voting is part of that, right? You vote for leaders that are going to push, um, you know, the city to grow and change in specific ways. Um, but then I think what we're also, what's great about local politics, we've had a couple of students run for local office. I mean, I think local politics is so much more accessible. Um, you know, you bump into this council person at an event, you know, around town or this county committee. We have a faculty member who's the yeah, county commissioner. I was going to say Susan Harden's on campus all the time. So she's <laughs> at events and if she doesn't know how to get you involved in local politics, I don't know who does. So it's cool having that kind of access. It is. And we, you know, have alumni who um, are, are engaged. And so I think it's, it's now, you know, we, we have these pieces, we just need to tie them together and create a program that students, you know, find valuable and can engage with. Um, and I always say the university in my time here, not, not because of me, of course, but just I've seen this grow over time, this idea of a Niner identity, right? So being from Charlotte, like I'm kind of aware of, you know, some of the ways in which the university has certainly grown since the late 80s <laughs> um, when, when I first arrived as a child, um, but, but also, but even more recently than that, right? And so I, since I've been here, I've seen this kind of ways in which it's been very intentional to create a Niner identity, with the branding and the green and the um, football plays a role in that, to be honest, right? Um, and athletics broadly, but also the, the, the Noble Niner and the day one convocation, um, student convocation, and, and really trying to bring students into this 49er identity. And I always say the next step of that for me um, is how do you create a Niner identity that also includes, you know, many of our students are going to be residents of Charlotte, or at least the greater Charlotte area for four or three or five or more years. And so how do you start to create that as part of a Niner identity, that Charlotte identity as well? Yeah, I 100% agree. Yeah. And I feel like that almost falls into the categories of when you think about those schools that have the deep histories and the schools that have a familial generational like Tar Heels, you know, those kind of schools that have built their presence. I think that implementing some sort of something like you were saying with the C Citizen Academy and that kind of thing could really help empower students to feel more of like a Niner pride. And that can take us really far as far as our identity. Because one of the things that I know a lot of students find when they come to UNC Charlotte is that we don't have as long of a history of identity as a lot of the other schools in the UNC system. Mm -hmm. And while that doesn't take away from our, you know, 
caliber of education, we still have a very high caliber of education that we provide, it does almost, um, it's just a different sense of identity that we have and we're building that. And honestly, I feel like that's empowering for students that go here because we have the chance to create and set that foundation for the future. I agree. Yeah, I agreed uh, to hear and uh, Dr. Johnson. As a non-native to Charlotte, unlike a lot of people here, it's interesting to come into the university and be able to don this 49er identity. And like you're saying, Dr. Johnson, being able to create even a larger sort of Charlottian identity um, that starts at the university. I think that when you're more proud of your university and the city and the area that you're in, the more likely you are to be engaged. So sort of beginning that cycle of pride um, and beginning those, that sort of generational familial pride that you're talking about with UNC or Duke or what have you is, is really essential um, and maybe a, an underestimated factor in even democracy. Yeah, good point. Super good point. Okay, so Kylie, we're going to get into a little bit more about you. Do you want to give us a little bio? Sure. So yeah, my name is Kylie Murray. I'm currently in my last semester of the master's in public administration program here at UNC Charlotte. I also was at UNC Charlotte for my undergraduate degree in political science with a minor in communications, uh, which is where I really first got involved with the 49er Democracy Project. I was a part of the Roosevelt Network, which used to be a student organization on campus that was a sort of a more progressive think tank. Um, and that really inspired me to kind of get involved with nonpartisan initiatives and working to create bipartisan and nonpartisan conversations and forums for thought exchange. And so I think that's one of the things that I've really brought to the 49er democracy experience is hoping to get multiple voices involved that maybe we wouldn't have been able to have access to before. But even prior to that, I'm also not from Charlotte. I'm originally from Evergreen, Colorado, um, and then came to Charlotte by way of uh, Wilmington, where I was at Cape Fear Community College and worked at the New Hanover County Board of Elections. So in terms of voting knowledge and how to get students to make sure they're registered and filling out ballots and absentee things correctly. I'm, I'm kind of all about that as I was the one who had to do all the data entry. So I know the common mistakes that people have and especially students and things like filling out junior and senior when they're in that class, when it's really talking about like your name classification and making sure students don't make like silly mistakes like that. And as far as what I've done with the 49er Democracy Project, I was part of the Andrew Goodman Foundation's Vote Everywhere um, team. I was our team leader for a period of time for the last two years. Um, and I was able to work a lot with the women's basketball team, which has been really cool. So being able to help them register to vote and really be more civically engaged and well-informed has been really exciting. So that was a mouthful, wasn't a very short bio, but I think that's about it. Other than that, I also do some like equity work when it comes to student conduct. I was the grad assistant in student conduct and academic integrity. So people are a little bit scared of that, but being able to work there and see multiple sides of students has also been really, really helpful. Ellie, you just knocked it out of the freaking park. Well, oh, you like you. answered all five of our questions that we had for you. Oh, um, well, 
I'm, I'm happy to elaborate. I'm a woman of many words. And so. I love that. I love that. First of all, the work that you're doing and have done sounds amazing. But I wanted to backtrack a little bit. So you talked about student voting. There are sort of a, a myriad of common mistakes that you encounter in the name of trying to encourage correct voting practice, um, especially for students who have never voted before, what are these common mistakes that you encounter and how can they avoid those? Sure. So when I think back to my time at the Board of Elections, a lot of it was, it always starts with voter registration, right? So when I was there, mostly the student body I worked with was UNCW, right? But one of the common mistakes that a lot of students make is not knowing their actual physical address. And luckily at UNC Charlotte, you just have to use the university's address, um, which is 9201, that one that's online, just Google it. It'll pop up with the right address when you're filling out your registration form. But that's one of the common mistakes. And then also not giving a correct mailing address too, because something that a lot of students don't know is that if your mail is non-deliverable, it doesn't fully register you. So it bounces back to the Board of Elections, which then invalidates your registration. So if you haven't gotten the card that says you're registered to vote, you might not be. And if that's the case, luckily, starting tomorrow, uh, we're doing early voting. And in Mecklenburg County, you're able to register at early voting, which is really great. So there are people there who can literally walk you through the form while you're filling it out or they used to be, I'm not sure what the COVID protocols are this year. But so if you're having a problem being able to show up at an early voting location and ask someone like, did I do this correctly? Is really helpful. And also not knowing that you can be registered at the university by itself, even if you're like, you don't have to be registered at home where your parents are. You can register at your dorm. That's, that's more than fine. You can get your um, mail-in ballot to your dorm that's perfectly fine. Or if you're registered at home, you can also get your mail-in ballot to send back to Guilford County or wherever you're registered. Of course, I always recommend registering in Charlotte, especially when we have a larger student population here, just because I think it's easier for students to be able to walk over to Belk Gym and fill everything out. But, so I think those are some of the common mistakes. When I was at the Board of Elections, we were dealing a lot with voter ID and the will they won't they of the voter ID laws um, of 2016 in the 2016 election. And so luckily students don't have to worry about that right now. So if you think you need an ID to vote, you don't, you really just need a mailing address and a registration form and a ballot and that's it. Thank you so much, Kat. That is incredibly informative. I know that I'm learning stuff because I just turned 19 last year. I didn't vote. But yes, that is incredibly informative, even for me. And I'm conducting this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, congratulations so, on voting for the first time in this election. Yeah, I can't wait to, to rock the sticker. So to hear, if you're okay with this, I transition to Shanice for a minute. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Janice, if you could give us just a short bio, it doesn't have to be that extensive, but if you want to give us all the details that you want, yeah, I'll just hand the floor over to you. So hello everyone. My name is Shanice and I'm an international studies computer science double major. I am the student director for civic engagement and democracy of the CERF team. And that's under the department of leadership and community engagement. 
So a little bit about our office. We basically prepare students to lead and serve on campus and the community, whether that be the greater Charlotte, UNC Charlotte, or nationally. And with that, we just teach leadership skills based off of standards to our current society. And with Serve Team, we focus on the service aspect. So with that, we plan events every single month, and these are open to the whole UNC Charlotte community. This is just to get them more engaged. And Serve Team is divided into categories. So we have hunger and homelessness, public and community health. We have environment and animals, youth and education, and then mine is civic engagement and democracy, and something interesting about mine is that it kind of encompasses all of these in addition to voter registration and things like that because these are issues that people take to the polls with them when they vote so they're looking for their candidates opinions on these so i have a lot of committee members that help me with planning the programs and it's really good to hear their ideas so working with 49er democracy experience just a couple of weeks ago we were involved with don't forget to vote so with that, we're just encouraging students and people to register to vote because we are in election season. And just next week, for example, we have another program. We're having a debate watch party for the final debate. So that's going to be very interesting. And looking forward to the future, we have a lot of ideas in store, like a mini book club where we read excerpts from novels or passages about civic engagement. Um, we also are thinking about instead of writing letters to Santa for like the holiday season, we're thinking of writing letters to our legislators. So it's getting involved that way in our community. That sounds phenomenal. So Leeds partners with 49er Democracy. Okay. So I guess you could say Shawnee's is like our liaison basically between the two entities. Nice. Nice. Wow. Um, so for students looking to be involved with Leeds and to do these events that you're talking about, like the the letters to the politicians, how would you suggest people get involved? Like what is the the steps to take? Is it online or engage? What does it look like? So with us, we post all of our events on Instagram, UNCC underscore lead. You can see all of our events on there. And we do have a Niner Engage as well. And that is leadership and community engagement. So with that, you could just RSVP for the event. And for our Zoom events, you could just pop up and come because they are open for our UNC Charlotte community. So if you're a part of that, you can just come on and register. These are open for anybody. If you're interested, you can stop by. If you're not comfortable participating just yet, you can sit back and watch as well. But we really encourage you all to get involved. Thank you for that. One thing that I did want to touch on, actually, that I thought was really cool was the um, Santa letters. What are you guys promoting it as? So that is currently in the works and we're looking for December. So we don't actually have a name right now, but probably something just letters to politicians, letters to um, legislators and having a really cute pub. I feel like pub is really something that draws people to our program. So it's all about promotion and people usually have a great turnout. So we're looking forward to it. And these are all ideas from like our committee members on the serve team. So Students have really great minds, and when we listen to them, it could take us really far. Definitely. That was something that was brought up in discussion when we had our larger 49er democracy meeting a couple days ago. Chris Everett brought up that 
he really wanted to find a way for students to voice their opinions on how to hold their elected officials accountable. And I thought that that was so incredibly powerful. I was like, wow, that's an amazing idea because I feel like more often than not, uh, people just select a name on a ballot and they forget about it, right? Especially when it comes on the local level because you don't see them as often as you would a president. I mean, you don't hear about them as often in the media as you would a president. So just reminding students, hey, you did vote for this person, you know, what have they done or what initiatives, what policies have they put into place? Did they do what they said they were going to do? So I think that that's extremely important. And like planting the seed of that at such a young age as we are as students can take us so far into our adult lives and really have an incredible impact on the future of America. So I love that idea. I think that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. So now that everybody's kind of like introduced themselves and whatnot, let's just go into kind of like a open discussion. Tamara, are there any like statistics or anything in reference to like voter engagement that you might be able to enlighten us with? Sure. What, what I can say is that we're part of a consortium or an entity or a research group. It's NSELF, and I never remember what NSELF stands for, but I'm sure it's national something something of voter engagement. <laughs> but it's an organiz- it's a group out of Tufts University um, in the Boston area. And what they do is they have contacted universities across the 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 country, colleges and universities, and have asked for our clearinghouse data um, that the university reports. And what they they asked for permission to de-identify, you know, those data and then to marry that or match it with our you know public records around voter engagement. And so what they've been able to do over the past couple of years, few years, is to tell us really of the students that that are eligible to vote. So they would screen out international students or students who might not yet be 18 or or something like that. Of the students who are eligible or should be eligible to vote, this is the number of students who have registered or percentage of students who have registered and this is the percentage of students who have voted. And so our numbers in 2012, in the 2012 presidential election, 50% of our eligible students did vote. That declined somewhat in 2016 to um, 48%. And we're just under the national average there. So those numbers sound really low, but also we're kind of just under the national average. And so we're trying to increase that this year, given the strange year that it is, and thinking about strategies to do that. So uh, in the 70s, like 73, 74 percent of our students tend to be registered to vote. But again, the the turnout rate is only 50 or 48. It did improve for midterm elections drastically. It went from like 18 percent to 34 percent from 2014 to 2018. So and they don't measure the local elections 2017 or 2019. But but for midterms, it has increased. And so we're hoping that that is you know, and it increased nationally. Um, that was a national trend. And so we'll, we'll hope that continues for 2020. Yeah, hopefully so. One of the beauties of UNC Charlotte that I found recently when I went to the ASG conference, which is like all of the student government associations in North Carolina come to meet and have one big conference. One of the things that I found was that very little 
of the schools actually have poles on campus. So we are blessed as a university to have a pole on campus. So I think that that definitely helps us. And talking about COVID, how do you think COVID will kind of, I guess, change the trajectory this year? Do you think it'll have an impact or how great of an impact? So I'm sure it will have an impact. And I think that's unfortunate, but but maybe I'll be wrong about that. I think what it means for our students is that fewer of them, some of the ways in which we used to publicize voting. So to Kylie's point to say, you know, where are you going to be in late October, early November? Think about where you're going to be and, and the ease of which you want to vote. And of course, it's important to mention that if you register in Mecklenburg County, that means you're not voting in Wake County or Guilford or wherever you are, right? Or whatever your permanent address is. And so that's important to mention. But but I think a lot of our students, you know, it used to be just kind of like talking about students between the difference between registering in Mecklenburg and registering elsewhere and thinking about your plan to vote. This year, more of our students, fewer of them are living on campus. And so more of them might be at their permanent addresses or maybe off campus living with, you know, peers or colleagues or friends. And so that message will be harder in some ways, I think. If it's still Mecklenburg County, if you're still around here, then you can still come to the belt gym and vote if you want to. But if you're going to be at at home and wherever home is for you, then I can't be as specific about this is where you go. You know what I mean? It's it's easy at UNC Charlotte to say it's at Buck Gym or, you know, over there at the old Pier 1, which of course doesn't mean anything to most people. But <laughs> I don't know, Kylie, what your thoughts are. You're more optimistic than I am. But now that I'm being pessimistic, I think we have to be real about the, the challenges and that detailed communication to students. Yeah, I was going to say, especially with our students kind of being scattered, like you were talking about, I really recommend that all of our students take advantage of that early voting time frame, because I always say, if you don't know where you're registered, it doesn't hurt to register again. Like, it's not going to invalidate anything else. It'll just change to wherever your most recent location is. So if you're at home and you don't know if you're registered there or in Mecklenburg and you're planning on voting there, then go to early voting, re-register, vote there that day. Super easy to do. Um, In terms of turnout, I think it's a little difficult this year, not just because of COVID, but I think also with the civil unrest that we have going on, the racial inequality and and disparities, voter suppression we've already seen happening in like Georgia yesterday. And all of those things on top of the kind of information overload and what a lot of students think is not a very inspiring election makes it really difficult. So I think a lot of our our students and people in general get a little overwhelmed by looking at the candidates, mostly the presidential candidates and like the Senate, which in North Carolina has been brutal. And they get overwhelmed and they go like, well, I don't like either of them. So I'm not going to go out of my way to do the COVID precautions and vote for someone that I don't love. And to that, I say, I get it. It's it's stressful. It's overwhelming. I feel like there's a lot that's really riding on this election, but the people who are going to impact you the most are the people on the down ballot, right? So be sure to look at your city council, your state representatives. I know like Jeff Jackson, who's been a really big part of Charlotte politics. He's in an election right now, and I forget who he's running against, but those are the people who have an impact on your everyday life. 
and so being able to vote for them is super important. Also, a lot of students forget that they can bring a sample ballot into the poll with them. So the ballot, the bonds, all the judicial races look really overwhelming, but you can fill out a sample ballot at home or just write down a list of names and bring that with you. And that might make voting quicker, easier, um, and a little bit less stressful than if you don't have that. Can I add on to that? So I'm just thinking about voter turnout. I'm not really sure about the numbers or my estimation with that. But since I do work around a lot of students and I'm a student myself, I know that during these COVID times that people are on their screens more often and they're able to see screen time reports. You're always on social media and a lot of like influencers or celebrities and politicians are encouraging us all to vote. And if students see like their favorite politician, their favorite celebrity or whoever telling them to vote, they're going to be more encouraged to do that. In addition to us, my office, the 49er Democracy Experience, publicizing on campus about getting ready to vote, sending out emails and just other stuff like that is going to really encourage them. I'm not sure really about turnout, as I said before, but I think that's just something important to consider is that in these times, it is all over everything that we consume. So that uh, that definitely has a factor as well, in addition to the civil unrest. Thank you, Shanice. I feel better now that you've said that. <laughs> oh, one thing I wanted to add to what Kylie was saying, I completely agree. If you're in doubt, you can re-register where you are. You just have to prove, if you're doing that during early voting, you have to prove that you live in that county. So if, if you're from Wake County and you want to register in Mecklenburg, but you didn't do it before the voter registration deadline, when you go, just bring proof of residency. So that would be a photo ID and like a utility bill, your lease, or for students living on campus, you can show your housing contract, something, something that proves that you live there. It's usually mail or some official mail. Yeah, simple enough. Okay, so on to the next topic. What are some tips, I guess, that you guys would give to students that want to be more civically engaged and how can they get more involved in campus, stuff like that? I think like Shanice was saying, everyone's on their phones all the time. So I feel like it's really easy to be engaged and informed right now. I always recommend, I think to hear over the summer, we talked about like I side with, which is a great little quiz that you can take to kind of find out what candidates and what parties your beliefs most align with, which I love and do like once a year just because I love finding out new things about myself. Um, but also our campus is so involved in so many ways. So you have the Center for Leadership and Engagement that Shanice is a part of. Um, they have great opportunities to get involved all the time. If you're in, like we have, we have STEM kids who want to get involved. There's so many ways that politics and elections and civic engagement touches things in ways that people don't really think about. But when you're thinking of like science and funding or engineering and infrastructure, all of that money really comes from the government. And so being able to find ways that um, the government touches you and civic issues touch you can make you more passionate. So just reading things, the news, or listening to a podcast when you're in the shower every day will keep you up to date and informed. But also, I think one of the most important things is having tough conversations with the people you love and the people that love you. A lot of times what I think is civic engagement isn't speaking to an echo chamber, it's speaking to people who uh, challenge you a little bit. 
And so the best way to kind of become an advocate for whatever you're interested in, if it's bridges or um, LGBTQ issues or racial issues, one of the best ways to do that is to talk to people who disagree with you and try to find a common ground and move forward from there. And if you can do that, that's one of the best ways to kind of get involved, I think. That was the next topic that we were going to discuss is how do we have those tough conversations with our friends uh, and family and those around us and some tips that you guys might suggest. I know Kylie suggested some, but um, if there's anything else that anybody wanted to add to that. I can say, and this is like a very formal way of doing it, but we're putting together a resource slideshow for, it's for faculty or student leaders who want to do something less casual, right? So it's not like you're talking to your friends over coffee or something, but more so if there's a, a group that you wanted to convene and to kind of talk about sort of across, talk across difference, whether that, you know, is background difference or, or sort of ideological differences. And there's a continuum offered in that package where if it's just sort of low stakes conversation, like you might have, I know there's a program called On the Table that Charlotte's been running for the past couple of years. It's that kind of idea where you're getting together with people over coffee and you're just having a low stakes conversation to establish sort of some commonality, right? Even even from people who have different thoughts or ideas about, about big topics. Or it would range from people who might be interested in kind of really hashing out policy and thinking about how do we approach these really challenging political or or social issues or environmental issues from a policy perspective. Do you know what I mean? Like coming at it from different sides and, and viewpoints. And so there's ways to kind of, I mean, again, that's a very formal way of doing it, but but there are guides out there. Like people have been thinking about how to have these conversations and how to facilitate them. And so we're trying to put together those resources and share those out with folks so they can get some tips. Perfect. And so all of these resources are definitely on democracy.uncc.edu, which is the 49er democracy page. Tamara, was there any other resources there that you might like to highlight or anything like that? So what we're doing, and there'll be an email coming out from Academic Affairs, and those resources resources will be in that email. So a little bit of some of the events and Shanice, if you have any information about the events that you that you mentioned earlier that you want to include in that email, there's one tomorrow and then there's one again on the 29th. Um, so if you wanted to include that, just let me know and I'll, there are some slides, like some classroom slides that don't have to be used in a classroom. But again, if you're facilitating a student meeting, um, hopefully, or you're using on social media, there, there's just some kind of quick reminders about what to bring with you or where to go or how to find out things. So yeah, those are some of the pieces that that we're hoping to do. And then what's great is that across campus, you know, thinking about what we didn't arguably think about a lot uh, in 2016 was sort of the post-election moment. I think where whatever the results are, you know, it's it's been a long season a long election season. And, and, you know, to Kylie's point and Shanice's point, people are tired. We're in this, you know, Zoom situation here. And when you really want to connect with people, it's hard, you know, like this way. And what are the resources for people after that election to, again, talk about things, but not everybody's skill set to facilitate those conversations. So I think that's the other piece that I think that we're thinking about more intentionally this year than we certainly did in 16. Yeah, definitely. I think I've heard a lot of different talk about 
doing like a Charlotte Unity Night after the election, post, post-election yoga at UREC. There's so many things that our school is doing just to help to ease, I don't want to say the pain, but just ease the stress, right? Because this whole election season has been a little bit stressful and no one knows what the results are going to be. So um, there could be some shock value there, you know, and I think that as a group, as a school, as a student body, it's important for us to all kind of, whether it be virtual or not, get together and maybe just talk about how we feel. That's the best way to, to get through things and building a sense of community is the most important way to alleviate some stress around some of the things that we're going through right now. Yeah. I would also say that like taking care of yourself and your mental health should also come first, right? You can't be fully there and fully present if you're not taking care of yourself. So you might be having these hard conversations or looking at all these and all this information or seeing traumatic things on the news or online. And it's okay to take a step back and say, like, I can't, do this right now. It's not healthy for me to do this right now and find support. And whether that support be talking to your friends, your family, watching some really bad television, the bachelorette just came back. So that's one of those things, but you shouldn't feel guilty about stepping back from being civically engaged either. You can't pour from an empty cup. And so being able to recognize that I think is also super important. That's like mic drop material right there. That's so important because sometimes you want to do so, so much that you literally deplete yourself and then you have nothing left to give. And it's important to not let yourself get to that point. Yeah. And no one's experience is invalid, right? So I always think about that when we're having these tough conversations, when we're taking care of ourselves, when you're talking to your friends who might disagree with you or your family members who just get on your nerves, their, their lived experience is valid, like yours is, and everyone needs to take care of themselves and cultivate that community. So yeah. Something else to remember. It's a little different than what we're talking about, but it's equally as important. Yeah. 100%. My final word to the student body, something important that I heard recently was that we are all stakeholders, like every single one of us, every student, every faculty, every staff, we're all stakeholders here at the university. We all, we are, we're integral to this university. We help make it function. Like we are so important, even if we're just one student out of 30,000, we are so, our opinion matters and we're so valid. And I just want all of our student body to remember that and remember not to call yourself a student, but to remember that you're a stakeholder. You mean something to this institution. The more involved that you can be and the more involved that you can get just helps to bring your status higher as a stakeholder. It's all right. Yeah. Thanks for convening the conversation. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you all so much. Great discussion. That concludes this episode of Cloud of Witnesses. As always, thank you to our wonderful guests and our amazing listeners. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Cloud of Witnesses CLT and DM us for inquiries or topic ideas that you would like to hear discussed. We hope you enjoyed this and we'll see you next time.